Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. 1 Samuel, if you would. 1 Samuel. Love you, Henry. Appreciate you, brother, and your wife. Love you guys. 1 Samuel 17. It's probably a very familiar passage to you this evening. I know to most of us, it sure is. But I want to make a declaration as we begin this evening is that personally, I have an appetite for America's victory. I have a strong, mighty, growing appetite for America's victory. And regardless of the, po- the uh, propaganda and the false media voice of the false prophets of Baal, I believe we're in for a sweet surprise and victory really soon in this country. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're coming through it. We're coming, in, we're coming through it. We're coming into a very, very intense time of turbulence. But on the other side of it, there will be great rejoicing and there will be laughter in your mouth. And there will be laughter in your belly. How many of you like to belly laugh? Can I see you? Just belly, belly, belly. Do a little belly. Belly laughing tonight. Not belly dancing. Let's, let's stay sanctified here at Victory tonight, I don't want to see any belly dancing. I want to see belly laughing. <laughs> Speaking of belly laughing, we were in prayer earlier tonight, and we're all praying in concert in the spirit, right? And voices were so loud, but I heard myself ending. I was just, I was just praying in the spirit, and I landed on KFC. I started belly laughing so hard, I thought, oh, dear Lord, KFC. Okay, four of you got that. It, it's, it's a chicken company in America. Come on. Don't be so lame out there. Shekaraba, KFC. KFC, hallelujah. Yes. Give me some extra legs, original, please. All right. Yes, First <laughs> Samuel 17. Love this powerful story, and I feel again that we want to immerse ourselves in it to strengthen us tonight, because we are we find ourselves in the midst of an epic warfare in this time, and we need to be encouraged. <clears throat> we all need encouraged. I know I need encouraged. Um, I was, uh, the Lord just really blessed me this this week. I was out, uh, I forget what morning it was. I think it was Tuesday morning, but I was out for a jog, and and uh, man, I, I was low. I, I was low. It seemed like, it seemed like uh, every, everyone uh, had a meeting and said, let's write Brian a nasty letter and denounce him and his ministry, 
and tell him it's time to cash in and start lining up behind Joe Biden and, and, and Kamala Harris. It's just time to get over it. It's time to stop all this decreeing and all of this. And who do you think you are? And you're being rebellious. And so I got some nice, tidy letters, you know. And I was pretty low on Tuesday morning. And I've got Dutch Sheets, who's a dear friend of mine, and he's He's in my earbuds, and I'm jogging along, and um, this guy comes rolling up beside me and uh, got really close to me. I'm just jogging along. All of a sudden, there's a bicycle right there next to me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I back off, you know, not knowing what he's about to do, and I peer, pull up my earbud, and he's got a helmet on. He's got sunglasses on. He's all lit up in yellow, neon yellow. And the first thing I hear when I pop out my earbud was, Pastor Brian. I'm like, oh, good. I'm, I'm safe. This guy's not going to swing at me. He's like, Pastor Brian. And I said, yeah, I had, I had no clue who this guy was. And um, he said, Pastor, he said, you are a man of God. Here's this bicycler just pulling up right. He said, you are a man of God. He said, be strengthened, man of God. Keep declaring the word of the Lord, man of God. Don't back down, man of God. He said, he did. He said, don't back down, man of God. He goes, I just got done listening to you, your podcast. I just got done listening to you. And I said, really? I said, I'm listening to Dutch Sheets right now, strengthening myself, you know, in the Lord. He goes, well, I just got done listening. He said, I'm so strengthened. He said, I was just blown away. I, I just got done listening to you, and I thought, I'm going to go out and exercise and get on my bike, and I'm rolling along, and I look, and there's Pastor Brian. It's like, I saw your hair. I'm like, yeah. And, and so I'm looking at him, and, and it takes me a few minutes, literally. And then I realized it was a, it was a guy that used to attend our church. We were, we were his pastor for many years. Great, great guy. And, uh, and recently, even our finance department told me that this guy had sowed a generous seed into our church. And I was like, wow, really? And then he comes right up beside me the day that I'm so low. And um, he, he, just, man, he just lifted me. We all need that. How many of you know we need, we need encouraged in this battle? And uh, you're going to hit some low days. And um, I just thank God for that. I thank God for that. God is a good God, faithful God. He'll find you even when you're jogging. <laughs> Trying to jog. <laughs> okay, so I told you, did I tell you First Samuel 17? I'm just kind of dialoguing here, having fun. So I want to uh, set this piece of scripture in your notes tonight, if you'd look at it later or Maybe you'd like to bite down on it because you're getting a good appetite for America's victory tonight. I just want to give you this scripture up front. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Daniel eleven thirty-two 32 says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. One more time. But the people that do know their God shall be strong. And do exploits. Do you need to know what exploits means tonight? It means they are the most heroic acts of war. The most heroic acts of war. And ladies and gentlemen, we are truly in war right now on many levels. 
So I want to speak to you tonight concerning having an appetite for victory. And I, I believe that national victories are awaiting the United States of America. How many of you believe that? I do. Come on. Come on. You can clap tonight. I need, I need you to be with me. Don't leave me up here all alone tonight. Please, do not leave me up here all alone. I believe big national breakthrough miracles are right on the, the, the precipice even now. There are breakthroughs as we, as today, there have been amazing breakthroughs in the state of Pennsylvania. And I want to encourage you, as we go to Pittsburgh this Tuesday night, you got to be in this prayer meeting. I'm telling you, I believe it's going to be historic. It'll be logged in eternity what was loosed in this night. Do not grow weary. Stay fervent. Stay faithful, burning in prayer. We're about to see an ultimate comeback. Hallelujah. And now the Philistines. Who, who are the Philistines? They are Israel's nemesis. They are the long-standing uh, rival of Israel. They gathered their armies together, the battle, and they were in Sukkot, which belongs to Judah. Now, Judah, Judah was the southern kingdom, and it consisted, Judah only consisted of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. They became known as the kingdom of Judah at that time, with Jerusalem to its north was still their capital. And they encamped between Sukkot and Azekah and Ephsdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel, now remember who Saul, he's the first king of Israel who sadly his heart actually turned from the Lord. His heart became vile. His heart became actually corrupted, corrupted in the end. He had a horrible, horrible ending. And the men of Israel, they were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up in the battle array against the Philistines. I like that battle array because when, when you think of this story, you've got to capture it beyond the words. You've got to step into the picture. The battle array is what? It's the battle flags. It's the banner flags. Can you see that? The flags of war are now lifted up. The banners of war are lifted up. The swords the shields, the battle array, everyone dressed in battle array now ready, ready to engage. And I need this, sweetheart. So now they've come out. They're encamped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley in between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath. That was the city, from Gath, city of Gath. And his height was six cubits and a span. That's, that's nine foot four inches tall. He was massive, nine foot four inches. Wow. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had, a bron he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders, and now the staff on his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and his shield bearer, he went out before him, and then he stood, and he cried out against the armies of Israel, 
And he said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of, his, all of Israel heard these words, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. <laughs> greatly afraid. Verse 12, you still with me? Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons, and the man was old. He was advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul into battle. The names of his three sons that went into battle were Eliab, the firstborn next to him, Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David, occasionally, he went and he returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Verse 15 again, look at it. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Now, I just want to make this point that it's interesting to me that David is serving his father, his earthly father, but unbeknownst to him, he's actually being trained and he's in preparation at this time to save a nation. What looks mundane, what looks just the, the normal, mundane, ordinary training, serving, actually God is preparing him for greatness. And he's not only just preparing him for greatness, he's preparing him for an epic calling from God to save a nation. This is what I want to say to you tonight, all of you. Never underestimate your days and your years of development. Write it down. Never underestimate your days or your years of development. Never underestimate your days or your years of development. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Every one of us have done it. In the mundane, when no one has seen it, yet when we get later in the story, thankfully, David starts pulling out the things that were unseen that nobody knew about because God was preparing him a resume. God was building him a portfolio and a file that the day was going to come. He was going to whip out the portfolio and say, hey, I've done some stuff. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Verse 16, and the Philistine drew near, and he presented himself 40 days. 40 days. That means 41 was coming. Day 41 was coming. Morning and evening. And so then Jesse, he said to his son David, he says, now take for your brothers an ephod of dried grain and these ten loaves and 
Run to your brother's camp and carry these ten cheeses. Sounds good, right? Some good Kobe Jack. Hallelujah. Take these ten cheeses. Come on. Grab me some Swiss there, Dougie. Come on. Take them to the captain of their thousand. And see how your brothers are doing. See how they fare. See how they're doing. And bring back news of them. Now, He's on an assignment in the natural. It's such a simple assignment. Yet there is a divine assignment that God is setting David up for. Listen, listen. What we're going to do tonight is not just romanticize the history of the story. Because faith comes by hearing. Not by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. You have to... Be stirred again to hear with fresh ears, to incline your heart, to incline your spirit afresh again tonight. Why? Because God is setting you up and preparing you for divine assignments. Are you with me? And now Saul and they and all the men, they were in the valley of Elah and they were fighting with the Philistines. Now now don't be confused there because... Actually, there really wasn't any fighting going on. It was just a war of words. There was a lot of talk. There was a lot of hot words. There there was no swords, no shields. There was no action. In fact, it was pretty boring. There wasn't a real fight going on. It was actually pretty boring. They were intimidated. They dressed up. They all dressed up in battle array, remember? They're all dressed up. They're ready to fight. They're over here. Enemies over here. But no one's doing jack. And everybody knows what jack in the Hebrew and the Greek means. They were doing nothing. So David rose up early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper. He took the things and he went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp. And as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle, there it is again. Ha ha, they're dressed up. Woo! This reminds me of uh, uh, the Three Amigos. Some of you remember that movie, the old, you know, they all, they all get dressed up and they're ready. Woohoo! And they're, they're throwing their guns around, you know, and the Three Amigos are throwing it back and forth. Ha ha! Ha ha! Here we go! Ride! We're powerful! Look at us! All right, so, okay, you're with me. You're with me. KFC! <laughs> yes. And so now they're, they're going out for battle, and for Israel and the Philistines, they had drawn up in the battle array, army against army, and, and David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper. I'm in verse 22. And he ran to the army, and he came, and he, he greeted his brothers. I love that. You just see him in his youth, his innocence, and just that adrenaline rush of coming up to the battle. You could just feel this. And then as they talked with him, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming out from the armies of the Philistine and spoke according to the same words. And so when David heard them and all the men of Israel When they saw the man, they fled from him, and they were dreadfully afraid. They were dreadfully afraid. That means intimidation was working on the army of Israel. Intimidation was working on them. And intimidation is actually working on a lot of the weak and compromised church in this hour. 
Are you breathing tonight? Are you with me? Just words, fearful words make so many just roll over and hit the spiritual snooze button and it's time to move on and and we've just got to become compliant with the new day and the new agenda. No thank you. No thank you. You know, it's interesting. I can just tell you right now, we hey, I can tell you right now, if there were no prophetic words to cling on to, no prophetic words, if no one was having dreams and visions, if there was no prophetic word of this hour, I can tell you, eyeball to eyeball, straight standing here, there's no way I would be compliant with the coming in menace, so-called coming in ministration and what they want to do to this nation. I don't even need a prophetic word. I have a more sure word of prophecy, and I know what the word of the Lord is. Hmm. So there's Goliath. Intimidation is working. So the men of Israel, they said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man that kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel, and then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, now, uh, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine? And then look what else it says. And takes away the reproach from Israel. I don't want you to miss that. I want you to underline it in your Bible tonight. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? This is what I want to submit to you. David had a bigger vision. Write it down. He had a bigger vision. What was the vision? David's vision was his nation. David's vision was his nation. I reminded you last time that we jumped into these scriptures, it was in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. God says, I'm going I'm to give you, I'm going to raise up shepherds for you that are after my own heart. And these shepherds are going to be the ones that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And here comes the shepherd boy with a heart after God, who God is now in the secret building his portfolio and his resume, and God is putting a love in his heart for his nation. Comes on the scene. He comes on the scene. Here's the question. What will be done for the one who takes away the reproach from Israel? I'm telling you what, that better brand you tonight if you're in this room. That better brand you. That better get a hold of you tonight. Because God is looking for men and women right now who will burn with his passion, who will roll away the reproach from the United States of America. He's looking for men and women of God who have a bigger vision, that they're not those that are just coming to a little church, looking through a little straw, thinking about their little life. 
Because if we don't save America in this hour, there ain't going to be no churches to go to. It's the book of Haggai all over again. Why in the world are you wasting your time? Haggai would say, Amos would say, why are you wasting your time building all your little houses when all the while God is saying, why haven't you built my house? And I've been hearing that cry from the Lord for so many years that we would rebuild the altar of the Lord in America, that we would rebuild the house of the Lord in America, that we wouldn't be sitting with these little straw visions, that God would possess us as men of God, as women of God, that it is time for the reformers to arise. It is time for the revivalists to arise. That's you. That's me. Hallelujah. Everyone understands in here, if you're going to be connected to this house, you're going to burn for a greater vision. Our vision is this. First and foremost, it's about personal revival. Write it down. It's about personal revival. That's our vision. If I'm not burning personally, what in the world's going to happen? If you're not burning personally, what are we expecting if we're not burning? Our vision is personal revival. And then from personal revival, we move to a place of believing and declaring and decreeing national awakening. That's our vision. And then after that, we have to see through the lenses of being a reformer that we would believe God that we could see generational reformation in our day. And that's where we're in. We're in the battle to save this great republic even now. And the work is messy and the work is turbulent and many are turning away from the work. But not us. We're not going to turn away. We're not going to retreat. We're not going to become cowards in this day. We're going to keep running forward and speaking and declaring faith and declaring the turnaround, declaring the divine turnaround. Wow. Who's going to take away the reproach for Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, lest you think that David's just being crass there. What he's actually saying, when he says this uncircumcised Philistine, he's saying this guy has no covenant with God. That's why he said those words. He wasn't just trying to say something because he's with one of the boys and he's going to throw his chest out a little bit. Oh, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? <laughs> Let me flex a little bit. No, he's not being, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not locker room talk. It's covenant talk. When he says he's an uncircumcised Philistine, what was the sign of covenant that God gave to Abraham? It was the sign of circumcision. David is saying, this man is uncovered. He has no covering. He has no covenant with God. And because he has no covenant with God, I'm going to annihilate him. 
Don't leave me up here, church. Respond to the word of the Lord. You want me to send you a Methodist preacher to this church? Come on. Let's go. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, what do you want here? He has no covenant with God. He's uncovered. Read on. He says, now, what will be done? What will be done? He defies the armies of the living God. And the people answer him in this matter. So it shall be for the one who kills him. And now Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men... And Eliab's anger aroused towards David, and he said, Why did you come down here? Oh, brother, why did you come down here? Why have you uh, left those few little sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Are you seeing the condescension? You know, this happens in ministry all the time. Kind of like this gathering that I'm about to go to in Pittsburgh. There will be ministers there that they will, they will size one another up. Oh, brother, brother Gibbs, great to meet you. Where are you from? How big's your church? How big's your ministry? What do you do down there in Sarasota? Is that how you say it, Sarasota? They size you up. Oh, you got a few little sheep down there. Hmm, a few little sheep. Hmm. Okay. We know your pride of your heart. You've come to see the battle. Condescension. David said, well, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Underline that, highlight it, underscore it. Is there not a cause? And then he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And the people answered him as the first ones did. I love that because that's called the body language of faith. You got to have some body language of faith. You got to be able to shut the door to that bull crap. When people are condescending, when they're put, trying to put that on you, when they're trying to judge your heart, you just shut the door to it. Verse 31. Now, when the words of David had spoken, was heard, they reported them to Saul. Man, God can write a story. Isn't this awesome? It's like, this is what, this is, when, when I read that, words are so small and little in the midst of people ready to ramble and go to war. And there's this little conversation that seems to slip out of David's mouth. And it like it, it, it's like God just takes those words and starts having angels just carry them along and float them to the right place. Can you see them kind of kind of happily dancing through the mob? Can you see it? And those words it says that we just read, they just, they just, they just reach, it's like Forrest Gump. It's like a feather just coming down by Forrest Gump. David's words just happened to reach Saul. 
I love that. Faith words, faith-filled words went to Saul. David said to Saul, let no man's hearts fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Saul said to David, you're not able to go and fight the Philistine. He said, you're just a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. And then David said to Saul, I love this, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth. (laughs) And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and I killed it. Whoa. That's bad. I saw a video yesterday of a, of, a, of a guy here in Florida who went into a pond. How many of you have seen that? This alligator came up, took the little dog, and the guy is down in the pond about this deep and pulling out the alligator, choking the alligator. You should see Cody's eyes are this big right now. They're like saucers. <laughs> He's like, the guy is coming up out of the water holding the alligator, and the alligator in its teeth is this little puppy, and he's trying to pry the mouth of this alligator. You should see the video. If you haven't, let it just go viral in the church right now. KFC. So anyway, so he pries the jaws of the alligator, and the puppy falls out of his teeth and runs up into the yard. That's what I'm talking about. That, that's David saying, hey, 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 wait, wait a second. I have a few stories to tell you about my portfolio, about what happened. When this bear and this lion came at me, I was able to pry the lamb out of its mouth of the devourer. I was able to take hold of that little lamb and set it free from its devourer. And then when it came at me, I took a hold of it and I killed it with my bare hand. Bad, bad of the bone, bad, bad of the bone. I love it. I love this stuff, man. It fires me up. I love this. Your servant has killed the lion and the bear. Watch this. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. See, some would hear those words and think, that's really arrogant. But God stands in the heavens and laughs and goes, ha ha, I like how my boy's talking. Oh, I like how he's talking. You know why? David's battles from his past history taught him how to approach his present and his future with faith. Now that is big. He let his battles from his past history teach him how to approach the present And his future with faith. See, my friend, the enemy is not afraid of your past. 
He is afraid of your future. If your past can be used to train you properly so that you begin to function as a woman of faith or a man of faith, and you don't let go of where you've been with God in your history. Because the enemy will always try to sabotage and ambush your history where you've been with God or get you to forget it. But amazingly, what I love in the story And all of these thousands of years later, we're in November of 2020, and I am preaching to you a real story of a real life of a real young man that became a champion and a weapon in the hand of God because he started believing in his own identity in God. I said to you the other week, what happened to John the Baptist in the wilderness is He came into agreement with his identity that was written in heaven. And when when he came into agreement with it in faith, he became congruent, spirit, soul, and body. And when he yielded to it, he was able to prepare the way of the Lord. David didn't know it. He was on divine assignment. He thought he was going somewhere in the natural to just do something simple like, like he had done before. Yet God was setting it up for an unveiling of destiny. Verse 37, moreover, David, he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. What was he saying? He's saying, Saul, here's my secret source of power. The Lord delivers me. This is my secret source of power. I'm not romanticizing the old scriptures. I'm telling you, the secret source of our power in the United States of America, the church has to remember our Lord is the Lord God Almighty who knows how to deliver us. It may look like we are so backed up into the corner that there's no way out, just like What everybody around Moses thought, there's no way out. And God says, I will blow open the sea. I'm the way maker. I'm the way maker. I'm the miracle worker, the promise keeper. I'm going to write a song. It's called KFC. He can deliver America. He can deliver America. And so Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. I want to ask you, How did that happen? How, I mean, Doug, how in the, I mean, you wouldn't send me to to go fix a car. You know me. I mean, you don't send me out to fix an engine. I I don't know anything about fixing engines. I could put gas in a car really well. But if you want me to fix the engine, baby, it's not happening. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How in the world, how in the world, Brent's like, amen, amen, I, I know, amen. How, how in the world did a shepherd show up on the scene and was allowed to go out against the champion of the Philistines? How did that happen? How did he convince Saul? Because when he spoke, there was an anointing released. 
That's the key. That's the key. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing that the authority of heaven comes upon. When I go to these prayer meetings and they're sizing me up, oh, so brother, uh, you're from where? Uh, how, how big's your church? It's because they hear authority. It's because when I step into the microphone to pray, they start feeling the presence of God. They start feeling the weightiness of God. They start feeling the authorization of heaven, that there's something behind the words. When David was speaking, there was something beyond the words. There was weightiness to his words. There was faith. There was something that broke open the atmosphere, and they said yes to it. They said yes to it. Saul said yes to it. It was the anointing. It's the anointing. It's the secret source of power. At that point, real faith confronted their disillusionment. Real faith has to confront the disillusionment of America right now. We are so disillusioned. And the enemy is the master illusionist. Always painting another mirage. Always telling another story. Always putting out another story. Always putting out another story. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He'll find somebody to pay for another story to be created. A dossier, maybe. All right, four people are with me. KFC, KFC. Maybe we should just name the message, Josiah, KFC tonight. I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. When David spoke, it changed the atmosphere. And God is counting on you. You to change the atmosphere of this country. He's counting on you for his words in your mouth and in your belly to come out and decree and say the word of the Lord, which is going to slice through the atmosphere. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? It is time for these wicked giants to fall in America. It is time for racism to fall in America. Come on, church. It is time for abortion and murder to fall in this country. It is time for militant homosexuality to fall in this nation. It's time for lawlessness and corruption and anarchy to fall in this country. It is time for wicked legislation out of Washington to be judged by the righteousness of God and fall. These enemies have to fall. It's time for these God-haters and God-mockers to be unthroned from their seats of authority. It's time for justice. It's time for justice to come. And I've said this to you before, but I'm saying it again. I'm not going to surrender our nation to the wolves. I'm not going to surrender our nation to these present devils. No way. No way. And even when these lame ministers write me their stupid letters, which I'm losing no sleep over them. 
It's time to concede. It's time to give up. What's with you and your tribe and your prophetic people and and all these people you're connected to? These apostles, so-called apostles and prophets and all of this. Give me a break. I know the tribe I'm running with. I'm not ashamed of one of them. See, listen, what a lot of those guys that don't know that are wanting to just chew on me right now. In 1994, I was the personal assistant to the most controversial evangelist in the world. His name is Rodney Howard Brown. I was his personal assistant in 1994. I was 20 years old. And by the thousands, people would come to our meetings. Sometimes tens of thousands would come. And the joy and the presence of God would break out in the meetings. People would be having dreams and encounters with God, encounters with angels, people caught up in the Spirit, people drunk in the Spirit, people overcome. And you know what happened? The silly dead church mocked it and said it wasn't God. I had people back in that day saying, what are you doing with that guy? That guy's a clown. He wasn't a clown. He was a man of God, still is a man of God, still is a mighty, mighty, mighty man of God. Him and Adonica are some of the finest people on planet earth. But see, I was, what was happening in my portfolio, I was learning that God wanted to attach me to someone with great controversy and learn how to hang on to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you really hearing what I'm saying? Some people, they start going through controversy. They start going through turbulence. They're ready to back out. They're ready to quit. They're ready to change sides immediately. Why? They're weak. Weak. You just want to go back to life as normal, life as usual. No, 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 no. That's not who we are. That's not who you are. That's not what God is doing in this day, a battle. God is strengthening your hands to war. God is strengthening your spirit to stand at attention and declare the word of the Lord and be strong and valiant for those that know their God shall do mighty exploits. Amen. So Saul feels an adrenaline rush. Saul feels an adrenaline rush. Let's get this little shepherd boy suited up for battle. Let's get him suited up. Let's do this thing. I like this. Man, it's something, the atmosphere's changed. I don't know what happened, but let's suit him up. I'm in verse 30. So Saul, he clothed David and his army. <laughs> In his armor. He put on a, a bronze helmet on his head. It's just comical stuff. It's comical. Puts a bronze helmet on his head. Clothed him in a coat of mail. Yeah, he's dressed him up like a knight. Are you feeling it? David fastened the sword to his armor and he tried to walk. For he had, scripture says he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I can't walk in these. It's pretty comedic. For I've not tested them. So David took them off. Watch this. He took his staff in his hand. Mm. See, that touches me. That touches me. For thy rod and thy 
staff, they comfort me. Here's a shepherd. See, you you, got to contextualize this, guys. A shepherd has walked in, and now he's he's been given authorization to step into the war. He takes his shepherd's staff. He chose for himself five smooth stones from a brook. He put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch that he had and a sling that was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The last time I preached out of these scriptures many months ago at the, near the first of this year, I talked to you about the five smooth stones. And there's speculation about these five smooth stones because others speculate, speculate that David chose five smooth stones because Goliath had four brothers. Now, you find this in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21. David was, perhaps he was readying himself with these five smooth stones to be ready. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 21, we're not going to take the time to go through it tonight, but it says that in the family there was Ish, uh, Ishbi, uh, Ishbi Banab, there was Saph, there was Goliath, there's an unnamed giant that had six uh, fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. <laughs> Everybody just say weird. Uh, no one's going to say anything. Okay, so can, you, can you just say KFC with me tonight? All right. Yeah, it's weird. First Samuel 17, if you look there, it doesn't suggest that really David knew anything about Goliath's brothers at all. However, you would find out later that David and his men faced four more giants, according to Scripture, that somehow they were related to Goliath in other battles. What am I trying to say to you? If you want to slay giants, then you have to hang around a giant killer. If you want to be an administrator, hang out with an administrator. Are you hearing me? If you want to be a good ball player, hang out with a good ball player. But if you want to learn how to kill giants, then hang out with someone who's killing giants. So the Philistine, verse 41, they came and they began to draw near to David. He began to draw near to David. And the man who bore a shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked and he saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy, and he was good looking. Isn't that pretty cool? Scripture even put that in there for David. Isn't that great? You're going to meet David in the New Jerusalem. He's like, I'm the guy God said was, was good looking. Isn't that great? It's like, there he is. He, oh, he's that good-looking guy. There he is. So the Philistine said to David, he says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Isn't that interesting? He's holding what? The shepherd's rod. The shepherd rod. He started, he started mocking his shepherd's rod. Oh. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. It means that he was trying to use curses and witchcraft on him. Did you hear that? Goliath started trying to use witchcraft on him. Do you understand? We're not romanticizing scriptures tonight, are we? I'm talking about a witchcraft that is 
magnifying every giant imaginable in the United States of America that is trying to intimidate you, lock you down, telling you you can't go to church. You need to shut down your church. You need to stop gathering in your homes. You can't have more than six in your home. You can't lift your voice. You better put your mask on after you eat another slice of ham. The stupidest, biggest, ignorant garbage you've ever heard. And yet Americans are wandering around fearful. Makes me upset. Makes me upset. Not at those people. It makes me upset that fear is trying to win the day. It will not, in Jesus' name. It will not. The Philistines said to David, he says, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come at me with the sword and the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. Watch the next verse, verse 46. Read it with me. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you, and this day I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, and the wild beast of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Let me tell you what's going to happen here. God's going to deliver you into my hand. When you rise up as a man of God, when you rise up as a woman of God, when you become a voice and a weapon of choice in the hand of God and say, devil, you got to back off because today the Lord is going to deliver me. And all this assembly shall know that The Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. You know, that's bold. Is that bold? Is that that bold? Are you all okay? Some of you are sleeping. Are you okay? It's bold. Bold. I want to tell you tonight, David was actually very biblical in what he did. He began to speak faith and release declarations of faith. Job chapter 22, look at it. Job 22, verse 28. Job 22, verse 28. What was David doing? He was operating in faith and the confession of faith. Say the confession of faith. Say it. The confession of faith. Job 22, verse 28, you will decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and light will shine on all of your ways. See, somehow, David started understanding this. People thought perhaps it was arrogant, yet David was learning how to use the sword of his mouth. I'm going to say that again. Somebody in here needs to hear that. You need to learn how to use the sword of your mouth. you got to learn how to use the sword of your mouth. When I'm being mocked, when I'm being uh, criticized by people who are aggravated at me, I want to tell you what I do. 
I remind myself of Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 2. Put it in your notes tonight. Isaiah 49 and verse 2. It was a prophetic word that I received over little Brian's life when nobody was around many, 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 many decades ago. And here was the word. Isaiah 49 and verse 2. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. And he made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. I want you to see that. He has made my, my mouth like a sharp sword. That's why Paul said, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The, the what? The Word of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God, but it's not just that. It's the Word of God set inside of your belly to catch on fire so that when you open your mouth, the sword of the Lord manifests. And it starts cutting down the shackles of the enemy. When you start speaking, you start releasing people from bars of captivity, being prisoners behind chains and slavery and bondage. When you start speaking, you're destroying the works of the devil. Are you with me tonight? If we're going to take down today's giants, we're going to have to use spirit-led decrees, confessions of faith, things that become like a sword that is piercing out of your mouth. When you become a voice for God, when you become a voice for God, in verse 48, and you're like, my God, how long can this text be? Well, it's a little bit longer. And so it was, verse 48, when the Philistine arose and he came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and he ran to the army to meet the Philistine. And I love this. I just have to say it over and over. David was not on the defensive. He was on the offensive. He was on the move. He was hungry. He was hungry for victory. He was hungry for triumph. He had an appetite for victory. David put his hand in his bag. See, maybe you missed it. He was already running forward. He was already running to the enemy. What is he doing? He's looking at the enemy. He's running towards them, and then he reaches into his bag. Do you see that? He didn't like fumble around and say, well, which one do I think is going to be good? And then I'll size him up and then I'll start running. No, he just starts running. I love this. Then he reaches in to his bag. David puts his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the, so the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the earth. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut his head off with it. Ladies, I'm sorry. I love that. Sorry, I love that. I am so into this right now. 
I love that. He had no sword, so he, what's it saying to us? The weapons that they have used, that they thought they were going to overtake God's people, those same weapons are going to be turned and used against them. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Of course they did. Now the men of Israel and Judah, they arose and they shouted. They pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gate of Ekron. And the wounded of of the Philistines fell along the road of Sherem, even as far from Gath to Ekron. And then the children of Israel, they returned When they returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. And David, I love this, took the head of the Philistine and he brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. When David saw, or excuse me, when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, uh, whose son is this? I love this conversation. Uh, where does kid come from? Who's his family? Who's his dad? Who's his dad? What's the story? What's going on here? This defies logic and reason. Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I don't know. So the king said, inquire of whose son this young man is. And then as David returned from the slaughter <laughs> of the Philistine, Abner took him and he brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. (laughs) I love this. I mean, here's here's David. Sling, pouch, rocks, head. 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 Wow. This is awesome. Saul said to him, uh... Whose son are you, young man? And so David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I've said this many times tonight. What are we doing? Why did Brian take us through this story again? Are we just romanticizing the history of the scriptures? No, we're not. No, we're not. We are in a battle to win this republic back to Almighty God. We are in a battle to save our republic. We are in a battle to save our cities. We're in a battle to save our future. We're in a battle to save our constitution. We're in the battle to save our children. We're in a battle to save our grandchildren. We're in a battle to to save our foundations. We're in a battle to save our prophetic destiny as a country. I ask you this question tonight. Do you have an appetite for America's victory? Do you have an appetite for America's victory? Because right now, all looks lost and all looks very bleak in November of 2020. 
I mean, this is one of those biblical moments. You understand? This is one of those biblical moments where God's like, oh, you got 32,000? Let's go ahead and just cut them on down. Cut them on down again. Ah, uh, uh, you got 30. Let's cut it all back. You got too many. You got too many. God, I don't like your math. Let's cut it down again. Ah, 300. Sounds perfect. Let's use those right there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is what I believe, and I've said it again. I've said it many times. The hour of the divine confrontation has come. We do not make excuses to avoid battles. We do not make excuses to avoid battles. It's time for aggressive faith. Folks, it's time for aggressive faith. It's time for bold action. It's time for true champions to arise. You may be sitting in this room saying, I don't feel like a champion. It's not about your feelings. It's about what God knows about you. It ain't about your feelings. It ain't about your emotions because God knows what he has said about you. God knows what he believes about you. Well, that's just not my personality. Well, God's bigger than your personality. And God's more than your gifts. And God's more than your abilities. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of wonders. He's the God who can change nations through a little shepherd boy. He raised David up to save a nation. Folks, national miracles are awaiting us. National miracles. National miracles. I'm talking about exposure and overturning and unraveling to the highest degree that is going to cause the fear of the Lord to make people tremble, to think, I never thought a day like this would come. I never thought we would see a day like this. I never dreamed that we could see this level of God moving. I'm telling you, in this hour, the corrupt are going to have no place to hide. The light of the glory of God is going to shine on America. There's going to be no place for them to hide. God's going to answer the prayers that he made us groan and belly out of us. These prayers that we've been giving birth to, that it feels like when I'm praying, it feels like I'm giving birth to babies. That's because God made me pregnant with them and made me cry out to him day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, day and night. And all the while, he's filling up the bowls full of our prayers in our intercession. And now he's going to answer the prayers that he made us pregnant with. Whew. I decree it tonight. I decree it tonight. America is just not going to come through this dark valley. We're not just going to survive this dark valley, Pastor Gene. We're not just going to survive it and make our way through it. That's not what's about to happen. We're going to come out of this valley holding some heads.
We're going to come out of this valley with victories and triumph. Victory over a coup. Victory over strong delusions. Victories over strong delusions. Victories over the media and the false prophets of Baal. Victories over socialism and Marxism and communism. Victory. Victory over lawlessness. Victory over anarchy. Victory over the spirit of death and the spirit of murder of abortion. Victory. Victory and deliverance from these abominations and perversions that are being forced on us. Victory over the occult and the works of the devil. Victory over apathy in a lukewarm church. Victory over it. I have such an appetite for America's victory. And God is sure messing with me. I'm not going to take the time to do it tonight. I will just tell you this. Put it in your notes. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 54. 1 Samuel 17, 54. I can't belabor the point. People can't take much more tonight. David took the head of Goliath to Jerusalem. He put his, all of his equipment in his tent. He, took, he put his sword away. You know, David was the story keeper. He kept the stories all alive. Can you imagine what it was like being one of these young men that hooked up with David? And was sitting in the tent and looked over and saw Goliath's sword. Be like, uh, bro, can you, can you fire up that story again and tell us that one again? Sure, no problem. It felt like this when I was running at the giant. Ha <laughs> ha. Love it. He took the head to Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was not Jerusalem yet because it was, over, it was overtaken by the people of the Jebusites. And when David became fully king, it wasn't for 20 more years that it would be realized that David would become the king. And then he would take his army and he would then remove the Jebusites and he would establish the capital of Israel to be Jerusalem forever. You think it's not a big deal that President Trump declared that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel and that our team went to that embassy and stood there and decreed it right after it happened? It's a big deal. It's a big deal to God. God hasn't forgotten what Donald Trump has done for Israel. God hasn't forgotten what Donald Trump has done for the church. You don't think God isn't fighting right now through the details for Donald Trump? You got another thing coming. 
That was an old 80s song, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Was that the Scorpions or Judas Priest? Somebody Google that. Anyway, so we're back to the message. So anyway, we're back to the message. It's just volumes of useless information that no one needs to know. I'm going to wrap this up. So much more I wanted to do tonight. So much more. Individual victories can become much larger to become a corporate victory. Individual victories can become much larger to a corporate victory. If you become stronger and you believe the word of the Lord over your life and you come into your purpose, everybody is strengthened and enhanced as a body. When you step into your purpose and you become mighty, doesn't mean you become perfect. It doesn't mean that you're, you're, no, you're, you're no longer human. No, you're, you're a human, okay? Right? You're not a superhero, but you've got the Spirit of God living in you. And when you come into congruence with that, and you, you step into personal victories, everybody starts prospering because of you stepping into that victory. But what is happening in this hour is that there are victories that are about to become national victories. Moses went from being a shepherd to a national deliverer. Jesus went from being a carpenter to the deliverer of the world. There's no limits to what God can do through your life, Jason. There's no limits to what God can do through your life, Rachel. It's not an accident that you're in this church in this season of your life. Even when you're sitting alone without your sister or your mom and dad, there's, there's, it's undeniable that God has you in this church for such a time as this to groom you for greatness. It's undeniable. You're not just hearing an inspirational message. This isn't Brian doing his best to pull out his pom-poms and high kick for you tonight. This is about faith being turned on fire. So that you can become a voice for God. You can become a miracle to this nation. You could become a miracle. You could become a miracle to this region. You could become a miracle to this region. You could become a miracle to this city. The Holy Spirit is hungry for cities and regions right now. The Holy Spirit is hungry for cities and regions to fall into the kingdom. You could become a miracle. And in the middle of just doing mundane, God can be really setting things up behind the curtains for greatness. I've been watching, and I'm closing now. And we're going to make a declaration in closing too. I've been watching, again, the chronicles of Ronald Reagan's life at my house when I've had some time. And when I watch the story of this young boy growing up in Illinois, an hour 
and 20 minutes north of my hometown directly. And I, I look at his story. I look at his pictures of him in junior high school and high school, and, and I look at his journey. He had no idea God would groom him to become the president of the United States and change the world. I love stories like this because these people don't know that that's their story. I have the luxury of knowing that's their story, and it's so grand DVD after DVD, because I know it's building, it's building, the momentum is building, the music is crescendoing, and the stories are being told, and, and the guy's voice is powerful, and Ronald Reagan did, and you can just feel, but it, in Ronald Reagan's life, it didn't feel like that at all, and actually in real life, it never does feel like that, you are, you are going through the turbulence. You are quaking in your boots. Your God is changing you, sculpting you, remaking you. Oh, you got all lopsided. Okay, throw him back on the potter's wheel. Dump some more word of life over him. Get him soft again. Groove. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? That's real life. That's real life. God's working. God's working. God's working. But God never loses his vision for who he knows you. God is convinced. God, he's bet everything on you in this hour. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not. I'm telling you, God is betting on his church right now. God is betting on his praying church, his remnant church, his bride right now in the earth. He's betting totally on you. It was St. Augustine that said these words, without God, without God, we cannot. But God says, without us, he will not. Without God, or God says, without, without you, I cannot. I can't do it. It is a partnership between us and God. People think God's going to do everything. That's just not how it works. That's not how it works at all. It's a partnership. God believes in you. God believes in his dream over your life. God wants his word to come out of your mouth like a sword. God wants his word to come out of you mighty. God wants your belly filled with fire. God wants you praying like a woman who's in pregnancy. is going through the turbulence and the storms of more contractions. To fill the bowls of heaven because he's going to tip them. He's going to tip these bowls. And the nations are going to quake. The nations are going to quake and they're going to shake at the prayers that God pushed through his people. When I think of that, I think of the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 8. Shall a nation be born in a day? Yet when Zion travailed, she brought forth her children immediately. See, everything looks like a suddenly, but actually it's not that at all. It's that there's tons of process that leads up to suddenly moments. I'm going to say that again. Lots of things look like suddenlies. It's not. It's just that it's a building process. Like a volcano, 
The volcano just didn't suddenly erupt. There was a process going on underneath the scenes where no one was able to go and look into what was going on. And that's what's going on right now on the inside of you. And that's what's going on on the inside of the bride of Christ who's crying out. And the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. There's an epic crescendo of what is going to happen at the end of this age. Things are building. Things are coming to a consummation. And God wants to use you in this hour. Perhaps more than you've dreamed or perhaps more than you think you're worthy of. Just agree with God. and Just say, I'm not worthy. <laughs> you're worthy, God. I'm not worthy to you. Receive the glory and the honor, but use my life. Can you do that? Let's stand tonight. Let's stand. I've been standing the whole time, so I'm going to sit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want you to put your hands out in front of you tonight. Father, this is, Father, this is your beloved. These are sons and daughters that you love and cherish. You have given us your spirit, your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you that you are making us brave. Thank you that you are making us courageous in a time of a lot of compromise, in a day of enormous conformity. Lord God, you are shaping us to stand out, to be different, to burn, to burn, to be holy, to be set apart. To become a voice. To become a voice, God. Lord, purify our heart. Purify our heart. So that we can become vessels of honor. Vessels of glory. And we can be used choicely in this hour. For cities for families, for regions, for schools, for hospitals, for businesses. Everywhere we're at, Lord. Lord, tonight we thank you that we are alive and we were born for this day and this hour. Let us not be afraid, but let us seize this hour. Let us seize this day. Let us seize the opportunity. Let us pray and keep on praying. Let us fast and keep on fasting. Let us seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking.
Lord, I thank you tonight for David's life. <laughs> I celebrate, Lord, we celebrate his life. He's with you in eternity in heaven tonight. I look forward to meeting him. I thank you, Lord, for his life. I thank you for his story. I thank you that he stepped up in his times. I thank you that he served his own generation by the will of God. I pray, Lord, that we will step forward and we will be used. We will be used to take down giants in this hour. I pray, Lord, that every one of the men and the women and the children that are a part of victory will become mighty champions, mighty champions for the kingdom. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with fire. Be filled with the passions of God. Be filled with the dreams of God. Be filled with the assignments of heaven over your life. Be filled with faith. Be filled with confessions of faith. Decree your faith and speak your faith. Find victory over the spirit of unbelief and waffling in between. I bless you tonight to walk in faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise our God. Father, may this be a miracle week. Miracle week. Father, I pray that as I go to Pittsburgh to join with other leaders and servants, Lord, that we will see an enormous breakthrough in the state of Pennsylvania, the Keystone State. Oh, God, may there be such an enormous breakthrough. I thank you for what's already happening. Lord, I pray it's like a sledgehammer. Oh, let your gavel fall, your gavel of justice fall, and unmask the wicked ones and bring justice to them. Oh, God, there will be no place for them to hide. Everyone who pledged their allegiance to this coup be exposed in Jesus' name. Lord, cleanse Pennsylvania. And let your righteousness and justice come to this great state. Let it happen throughout these states, God. Let us see it. Lord, we want every legal vote to stand. We don't want our nation to be duped and sabotaged. We want every legal vote to stand in Jesus' name. And every illegal vote to be thrown out. That's what we pray. We decree this election will not be stolen.
Hallelujah. Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the United States of America. Your spirit is weaving through the details. Hallelujah. Let there be victory. Let there be triumph in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for staying with me. Love you. Good night, everybody. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.